Welcome to Coffee and Conversation. This is part two of our podcast where we are discussing attendance and the SARB process. My name is Jeff Harris. I'm the County District Superintendent of Schools. And joining me here for, again, the second half of this conversation is Chief of Probation Lonnie Raymond, Randy Fugate, the principal of Del Norte County Community School and the SARB director, Catherine Mix, the district attorney for the County of Del Norte, and David Hernandez, probation officer and uh, also operating as our truancy officer. So we want to welcome you all and we're just going to dive into the next part of our conversation. So as we said, we're going to be talking a little bit about what happens when um, our families are offered intervention or offer that early prevention, um, are offered the supports that they need to ensure that their child comes to school, but either um, they don't respond to those or they refuse um, to send those those students to school. So Dave and Randy, you, you guys are kind of first line on what that's going to look like. So how would how would you immediately begin intervening with a family after we've offered numerous supports or if we haven't been able to get a hold of the family? Uh, for me, I'll actually go back out to the home again and try and locate the child, uh, make sure everything was okay. Um, sometimes the phone just gets shut off and they don't know that they're receiving phone calls or they've moved in with a different family member to, to try and adjust and get additional supports and we just haven't been provided that information. And so um, we'll try and get that contact information and where they're at now so that we can try and, again, offer some more services before we get into the SARB process. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I'm going to, we usually head towards the, this conversation heads into the SARB process and that SARB is sort of a big, scary title. Um, I want to just take a quick step back for just a minute, just to give perspective. If you're a family out there, um, why we are always talking about attendance in the schools. We keep talking about it. We, we know funding is a tech is connected to attendance, but interestingly enough, this year, it's not this year. We're sort of given a waiver from the state. Everybody's moving forward in the state and attendance isn't our factor. So we're not for, for money. So we're not really looking at it from that perspective. I think it's real important. We know that kids, when they come to school, uh, Katie referred to it earlier, um, the reading, it makes a difference on their reading skills later on. We know that uh, coming to school builds habits. We know it builds work ethic. We know it builds patterns of behavior. And we know it's sometimes a battle to get your students to come to school. Sometimes it's a battle to get them to engage in distance learning. Those are all realities. But as as the guardians, as the parents, as the support providers at home, uh, it's our duty. It's our job to to build those skills and to build those pieces of work ethic. So uh, as we have these conversations and you're you know hearing us harp one more time on attendance, there's a bigger picture here, societal picture, a, a picture for your student success. Um, Lonnie talked about breaking cycles. Um, if, if there's cycles of poverty or cycles of, of challenges in families, these can be broken through educational um, growth and things like that. So that's really we keep coming to the table about this. So, David, you're referring to sort of interventions. The SARB process is really the last line in this process of attendance and how we look at it. Um, there's a whole lot of earlier steps at the, at the school level. So if a student is not showing up uh, initially, you probably have some phone calls from either staff at the, at the site, the administrator, maybe a teacher. Those are those early steps. That might get to Officer Hernandez early for an early home visit. And that's just a checkup. How are we doing? We're trying to figure out if there's anything that's kind of an obvious. Um, if that continues, that pattern continues, there's a sort of a tier two level where we might start seeing letters come home, a letter one. There might be a letter two that follows up in a few a week or two after that. When all of those early interventions and phone calls and um, steps have been exhausted and 
we may have missed something. And I think that's where the SARB three, that SARB process comes into place is we've got an incredible body of adults in this county that are wanting to come together. Very comprehensive. When you look at the the gamut of, of professionals at the table, they're coming together and it's, it's sort of our our last critical stop to say, what are we missing? What, what is it that is your barrier that is preventing you from getting to school? What can we take away? What barriers can we remove for you? We really need you and your students to actively participate in this process. I think, I think um, when we look at that, that bigger SARB picture, the big scary SARB picture, what you have at, at that scary SARB process is you have a, a table surrounded by, with people who are looking for ways to help. And it really comes down to that. And, and the fact that I think Mr. Harris said earlier, the fact that we have the DA sitting at the table, that's sort of an unprecedented um, situation where we have somebody at that level sitting at the table listening. That's a level of caring in a community that is reaching way up into the top ranks and of, of people in the, in the county. So um, there's a lot of intervention steps. And I think um, David, Officer Hernandez, he's, he's boots on the ground in terms of meeting families right where they're at, hearing their stories. And providing that fit, that friendly face, like he says, when kids see you at school, they want to come up and talk to you, right? Yeah. Um, I'm in the school system as an administrator, so I'm dealing with it with Officer Hernandez as well as families and my daily communications with, hey, we haven't seen your student, we're everything okay, that kind of thing. But this process is is really a big process that ends in this SARB process where we're talking about um, how do we really get down to what are we missing? Yeah, we're really looking for progression. Right. Over anything else and just to help people out. And um, I'm always all ears if I can do something better. If someone lets me know, a parent or administration, anybody um, to do my job better. I'm, I'd love to adjust to, to meet the needs of the community. Oh, go ahead, Katie. I didn't know what to expect uh, with a SARB hearing uh, before I went into my first one. And I remember I was struck when I walked into the room at the number of people who were there who really genuinely cared and people from the different school sites who had knowledge about the families and children that we were going to be meeting with and the input that they gave. And then when the families would come in, we would talk about things ranging from they need an alarm clock so they can get up or they need an umbrella or some other way to get to school. And we would really delve into the nuts and bolts as to why these families weren't getting their children to school. And um, it wasn't a um, accusatory tone. It wasn't, uh, we weren't sitting there uh, questioning, uh, you know, these people's skills as parents. It's we're really there trying to help. And so peeling back the mystery of that SARB process, I think is important. You know, as a parent, I've gotten a SARB letter I've had to meet yeah, with the I principal. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, through no fault of my own, of course. But um, and that was uh, kind of eye-opening for me, also. And uh, so I've been through part of this process. But I think um, it really is important for families to know that when you get these SARB notices, it doesn't mean that you're going to be dragged into court and that somebody is trying to take you to jail. It's we're trying to get your children to school because that's right. what's best for them. And that mm -hmm. is really the goal. And the only time I've filed against parents has been when they've just totally blown off the process altogether. We've had multiple opportunities trying to get them into uh, the hearing room so that we can try and figure out uh, what the problem is and fix it because that's what we all want to do. And so... Um, it's really been a last resort to have any sort of uh, criminal intervention. 
Well, and like you said, it really is about problem solving, right? Because what we're not doing is I don't think anybody at this table or the, um, what are there, Randy? I think 15 other people who sit on the uh, SAR board. At least. Um, nobody just says, Hey, let's put a SARB together so that we can harass families. Right. That that's not what this is at all. Um, but you know, I think it is important that families do understand that like Randy said, you know, we often get accused. Well, the only reason you're doing this is because of money or whatever, the time and effort it takes to run SARB and to do a lot of these, um, outreach programs is not covered at all by the funds that we get, um, to, to try to get students into school. Quite honestly, um, families may not realize that California has compulsory attendance laws. Uh, They require that families bring their child to school and they require that we put these processes into place, the legal processes into place. Our goal, like you just said, Katie, is to make the legal process, right? I think you said it too, the last step because um, we know that our families have a lot of barriers. And Lonnie, I think you addressed it in the first part of the podcast a lot of barriers to getting kids into school, but we know that education is a game changer. It extends the actual life expectancy of students. It, it, it provides greater access to healthcare. It provides greater economic stability as, as students get older. Um, and so, you know, I think it's really important, Katie, when you say that we're, we're only filing against people and Dave, you'd said it too, who aren't demonstrating progress who are, or who are actively, I think fighting may be against the process. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we, especially in, in this year, um, you know, there's a lot of families that have barriers that didn't have barriers last year, right? That are struggling that didn't struggle last year. A lot of families that know the importance of having their kids in school that are just flat out struggling because of the situation that we find ourselves in. That doesn't change the fact that there are still those families out there who don't give a crap whether their kids are in school or not. They have other priorities for themselves and their kids. Um, You know, we're, and I should probably clarify this as the guy who puts kids in jail in a sense. Um, We don't, we don't charge kids. Mm -hmm. We don't put kids on probation. Um, We aren't pursuing uh, criminal action, delinquent action for youth. That's not something that we, can or want to do. Right. Uh, what we're looking at is finding those, those families who have chosen to take that different path. And we've uh, come together as a group, as a SAR board, as a community to try and help remove any barriers that there are so that their kids can be in school. But when that child doesn't have a choice because they're dependent on the parents' decisions and actions, um, whether they're in school or not, when that parent has decided that that's not a priority for you, uh, for them, then that's where at the very end of this process, that's where the legal system comes into play. Everything before that, uh, it, we do have laws that require right. attendance, that require us to have a SAR board that has all this process. Those laws are meant to help. At the very end of that, that's where the criminal system comes in. That's where Katie and her team step in. So, so let's talk about that notification, right? Because the, the notification and the opportunity to engage in the, in the um, prevention and early intervention um, process to identify those barriers, identify ways to get around or over those barriers 
is extremely important. So I know one of the things that really um, we've heard about it at board meetings. I've heard about it on 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 my email. Uh, Katie, you mentioned it. Are the letters that get sent home right? We get people that get extremely frustrated that their child is getting a letter because uh, that that absence was excused, or we get people that are very frustrated because. Um, they didn't get a phone call before that letter came, or it's the fourth or fifth letter. What are the letters that we're sending home? I mean, a lot of people are hearing A to A, right? Attention to attendance. That's the that's the program that we use that does our data extractions and then sends the letters. But what are these letters actually? If I, I'll um, speak to that a little bit. If you if you kind of backstep from the big studies are around chronic attendance, and chronic attendance is students who are missing ten percent or more of school, and and Amazingly enough, if you think about a 180-day school year, that's only 18 days, which seems like a lot. But if you back that off to monthly, that's only two days a month to get to your 18 days. And 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 what studies show over and over again is that students that are missing just 10%, just 18 days a year, are struggling. There are deficits in their reading skills. There are deficits in other things. There's patterns that are being built that are negative attendance patterns, things like that. So when you talk about the letter process... It's really um, stepping back to uh, the first letter would go typically would go out after three absences and three absences would be that initial first letter, which if you think about that, if you're only in the first month of school, you're already over 10 percent absent. So that's why there's some there's some a little bit of logic behind those letters in terms of when they go out. The first three absences would trigger a letter, typically six absences would trigger the second letter six to eight absences it can vary and then that third letter could come out somewhere around that 10 or 12 absences again kind of following that line that we're we're starting to really be concerned about heading into chronic attendance concerns well and i think a, a lot of our families may not know but what some of that research shows is if a student misses three days within the first what is it four weeks of school or first something 20 like days that, yeah um then the metadata shows that that child is much more likely not to finish the year on grade level, mm -hmm. just just within three absences the first twenty days of school. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what not showing up one day and and we know this year it's vastly different, right? Vastly different. Um, so you know, just talking about those letters, Randy. When 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 do we expect to start having those letters go home? All right. So this year, obviously, things have been quite a bit different. We've been working with all of the agencies as well as administrators and whatnot. So um, f families may have seen, probably have seen some letters go home from sites. And so we've we've done some site-based letters, not district-wide or the A2As. And so they've modified just expressing concern. We're trying to catch up with you. Are there things that we can do to help? Um, the A2A that we were, we've were we seen the last, what, two years, I think it right. is. Uh, we should start seeing that process start again after the first of the year. And we've been working closely with A2A. We've been working closely with the district office and whatnot to kind of plan that time. Really, um, this year has been tricky. We started with distance learning and we come in, we came into a, a partial week with students and we've had been the threat of re, you know being pulled back into distance learning at any time. And uh, we, as Lonnie stated several times, there's new challenges that families have never faced before this year. So I think we've really wanted to respect that, um, be aware of that, and and try to work with families for quite a while in this early in these early couple months of school. So so we're going to be kicking in the more formal letters to say, hey, we're really concerned. We want to help you. Those types of things. You'll see a letter one, a letter two, a letter three eventually. That if if we can't correct it, if we can't help resolve it, and then that SAR process would kick in where we really have a chance to dig deep. I think if we needed to. And and Katie, I know that we're working on even a little bit different letter, right? 
Right. There's a letter that's being worked on right now that will be signed by myself and Heather Snow, the director of Health and Human Services, and then I believe uh, you, Jeff, and uh, just to let families know that all of these agencies um, that are working towards improving attendance and getting kids in school, we all understand the challenges that families are facing right now. This is unprecedented, uh, the time that we're in. We're all in this new reality and trying to work our way through it. And so we're going to put a letter out about um, that we understand these challenges and that agencies are here to help. Yeah, when I think it goes back to um, reaching out for those resources, right? There are... 28,000 folks in our county. Um, and when we're talking about resources and we're talking about what can the district attorney's office do and what the district attorney can do or what the chief of probation or the truancy officer, 28,000 people, and there are five of us sitting around the table, right? <laughs> so we're not going to catch every need that's out there, but we're willing to help anybody who reaches out to us and expresses a need that we haven't been able to catch or capture. So, like any difficult situation, communication is key. Right. I mean, and David has said it since he started in that truancy officer position, being able to have a good address and a good phone number yep. for families, that can be, a, a, in a sense, a make it or break it. Not necessarily that, you know, everything falls apart, but it, it allows him and it allows us as mm -hmm. a team to actually get in touch with families and find out. And if, if it's not there, if we don't have that current contact information and, and can communicate then things become more difficult. Well, and, and I think that's the point too, where it looks as if, even if it's not accurate, but it starts looking as if the family is either checked out or, or defiant of, of kind of those compulsory attendance laws. So Randy, I know that we're not just canceling SARB for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know that there are some um, uh, plans on phasing in, these meetings. Um, Katie, I know we've talked about, you know, some, um, uh, I think some kind of egregious situations where, where we've had students that have been gone for 40, 50 days. Um, so Randy, mm -hmm. what does that look like if we start, as we start moving ahead mm -hmm. into January, what should, what should our community expect our SAR board, mm -hmm. uh, to be doing? Okay, good. Um, you know, we've done, uh, we've been working the last month or so really looking back at last semester and really going back as far as last December and seeing who, what families did receive a SARB three letter that maybe we didn't get a chance to act on because of COVID-19 and how are they doing now? And so we've really been looking at that group of students first and seeing what it looks like in their attendance. We've seen a, a number of cases where the families, the kids are attending at a 90% or better level. It's quite That's a few. Great, it's yeah. great. Yeah. We're really excited to see that. On the other flip side, we also have um, some families that haven't been able to figure that out yet and, and students aren't coming. So I think uh, the SAR board will probably be looking at those cases initially. Um, in addition to that, we haven't started looking as closely yet, but but who are the students that weren't SARB 3 last year, but now are in that 40 or 50 um, absences really haven't started school this year. And so that's going to be a, another uh, trigger point for the SAR board to really review those cases. Because in I think in all of those cases, those families have received letters from their sites, phone calls, countless phone calls and things. So we are concerned. And so I think we're going to, we're going to be sort of a two-tiered uh, approach to who we're going to look at initially. There's, there's a, th this has created a, a much higher than normal number of cases of families that need assistance. Mm. 
Well, and I, and I think too, that we're really going to be focusing at least initially after we get past the, the, those folks that were on SARB three last year who have not improved their attendance. We're also going to be focusing on the attendance codes that are four and L. Right. So a four is your distance learning. Um, but we don't have an excused absence for a day that you didn't part your child didn't participate. Um, the L is didn't participate and we can't get a hold of you. And that's right. kind of Lonnie where it goes back to making sure we've got good contact information. Um, or if it was a day that your child was supposed to attend in person and didn't attend and it was either a truancy or an unexcused absence. So, um, we'll see that kind of move ahead a little bit. Um, and I know that looking into the magic eight ball, Katie is probably not something that <laughs> we do it all the time. <laughs> um, but but really kind of knowing where we are and knowing that we do have some some pretty hefty cases out there where we've where we've made those home visits, where we've offered interventions and we still haven't had people come forward. Um, should people wait or expect to wait to go through the entire SARB process or can the district attorney's office reach out earlier to a family and provide um, some additional incentives to attend school? Uh, Dave and I have been in communication since uh, we were shut down, really. And I'm aware of uh, certain cases where people just aren't engaging at all. And that's very concerning. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there are ways that I could step in and do some more aggressive intervention Uh those haven't happened yet. I'm relying really on Dave because he's out there engaging with these people. And I'm just kind of waiting to hear uh, if he has success because he has gotten so much success going right. out and engaging with these families and uh, being a presence. And that's made a huge difference. And so I'm just waiting to really hear from him about uh, families who just won't pay attention. Yeah. I was just going to say that's good to know. And I appreciate that as a possible um, leg that we can work with you on soon. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, my gosh, how fast these things go. Let's go to part three. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, this, this ends our part two um, of the podcast, really kind of talking about um, SARB attendance and what to expect after the first of the year. Uh, we just want to remind everybody, we don't really know what the first of the year will hold. We're in the new tiered system. We are now under a, a new revised stay-at-home order. Um, potentially, if our ICU rates uh, drop below 15% um, availability, uh, we'll be in a different zone. However, that doesn't really have impact on schools, at least for now. So um, just because we're in purple doesn't mean that your child can quit coming to school or participating in distance learning. Um, schools will continue to be open, whether they are in person and or virtual. Um, we just want to remind everybody in order to be able to keep our schools open in person, to have those social interactions, to have those face-to-face -face, uh, communications that we talked about in the first part of the podcast. It's extremely important that everybody is wearing their mask, that you're staying physically distanced, that you are staying home if you're symptomatic, um, or if you've had a close contact, uh, and taking precautions to wash your hands or use hand sanitizer. Um, it's all of our responsibility to keep our community well so that our schools can continue to stay open and function and provide those necessary services for our youngest and most vulnerable um, members of our community. So with that, we just want to thank everybody for joining us um, for part two. And um, we hope to have you back soon. <laughs>